0: Good evening, good evening, everyone, and welcome. Uh, my name's Andrew. It's great that you can be here. If you're here visiting or here for the first time, a special welcome to you as well. Um, any youth in church here tonight going to youth? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. One over there. Welcome to you guys. I know that's uh, yeah, very exciting for you guys tomorrow heading off to, to youth alive. i get keen for that. It's going to be fantastic. So, tonight we're continuing with week three. of of our series, One Hit Wonders. It's an interesting name for a series, isn't it? (laughs) One Hit Wonder in the music industry, we had a a clip up before the start of the service today, it um, refers most commonly to music performers with only one top 40 hit single that overshadows all the rest of their work. They're quite often uh, a well-known artist or well-known band, but they're only well-known for that one song, which is quite often instantly recognisable or well-known, but it's only that one song. A song that is engaging, awesome, powerful. My prayer is that none of us would become one-hit wonders here tonight, but rather that our wonder would be centred on the one, being Jesus. And I pray that the words I speak in Jesus' name this evening Um, will not be a one-hit wonder, but that they would be words directed by the Holy Spirit, O God, that are engaging, awesome, and powerful, that they hit in the hearts and minds of those ready to receive his word. Lord, I pray that any words that are not from you, Lord, may they fall to the ground in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would open ears, open eyes, open hearts, open minds, ready to receive your good news, your promises, and your love and your truth. I pray also for our youth, preparing for youth alive, that you will encourage them, that you'll prepare them for what you have planned, Lord, and that you will show and everything that you'll show and share with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this evening we'll be reading from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, starting from verse 3. The verses will be on the screen behind me, but I would encourage you um, to read along if you have your Bible with you. So while you're getting 1 Timothy... Firstly, a bit of context in relation to this letter that was written by Apostle Paul to Timothy. The Apostle Paul, he was a great teacher and pioneer of the early church, but he wasn't always like this. Paul was originally known as Saul and working for the authorities of the day, he searched out, arrested and persecuted many Christians. This was until he had a spiritual encounter with the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who appeared before him, was travelling, an encounter that changed his life. From enemy of God to a faithful servant, Paul was a key figure in equipping, training and empowering many new leaders facilitating the growth of the early church. So one of his young protégés, Timothy, was appointed to minister and to lead the church in emphasis. Timothy was having a rough time certain people in the church were teaching ways that were contrary to the truth and the gospel of Christ the city of ephesus was now was known at the time for its temple dedicated to the worship of artemis and the city's commercial interests revolved around this it also had a very large jewish colony so ephesus presented many challenges to the faith so upon hearing about timothy's troubles and struggles paul wrote this letter to direct and encourage timothy in restoring order to the church and to centre the attention of the church back to the gospel and the good news in Jesus Christ. So, with that said, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain persons not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations, rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. There are a number of things that stick out for me in this verse, in these couple of verses. We can read that Paul urges Timothy to stay in emphasis. Now, urge, that's a very strong word. We'll understand more about why Paul was so strong and steadfast in this direction as we read on. There is also urgency because of the division and damage that such, such actions would have that uh what have in the church. Second thing, Paul requires Timothy to command certain people not to teach false doctrine. He's not asking, he's not requesting, he's not being polite about it, he's not saying, um, excuse me, could you please? He is command, he's been told to command them. So the gravity of the situation is apparent from these military terms that Paul employs here and later on in the chapter. So doctrine in simple terms, the teachings of the gospel and of the Christian faith. Gospel being God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dealing with our brokenness and sin, sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice, as payment for sin once and for all, so that everyone could receive eternal life. God, our sins, paying everyone life. That's the gospel. The thing that stuck out to me the most about doctrine is that... It's not just the responsibility of teachers and pastors and leaders in the church to teach sound doctrine, because ultimately we are responsible for our spiritual growth. To grow, you cannot remain stationary, which is why daily reading of God's word, spending those 20 minutes in the chair, is so important to growing and centering our attention on Jesus. However, it's also hard work. To do it on your own, which is why we encourage everyone to not only regularly come along to church, to journey together in community, but also to be encouraged and built up during the week through connect groups. It is not one or the other, but all these things which help us to grow and keep Jesus at the centre of our lives. So Paul was urging Timothy to command them not to teach or follow false and deceptive teachings or pay any attention to myths, traditions, or the endless study of family descent. They only cause controversial debate because they aren't focusing on the main thing. Get this, they are devoid of the power that builds up and strengthens the church in the faith of God. Keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing being Jesus, the source of our hope. Paul continues in verse 5. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Now, Paul was talking about these certain people in the church, that they have neglected having a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Point, point to take away from this is that our conversations that we have with people, they must be loving. Makes sense, of course. Our conversations to everyone, they must be from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. Departing from these will equate our conversations to be meaningless devoid of the power that builds up and strengthens the church in the faith of God. And not just our conversations, I might add, but our actions too. I've witnessed the effects of actions and conversations that have neglected these values. It's heartbreaking. It's awful. I know that we are an encouraging, inclusive community and we do that so well here at Door of Hope. Let's not get complacent. We can do greater in his strength, in his name, because it's not about maintaining the status quo. We need to increase our love and forgiveness. We need to grow our understanding. We need to journey forward in faith. We do that together in community. Every single one of us here tonight desire acceptance and to be loved. And when we feel welcomed and accepted into community, we feel that love. The dilemma, the dilemma though, is that we default in our human brokenness, we default to a love that is performance based. That we feel we need to perform in a certain way for people to love us and to accept us. That performance is how we love ourselves. It's not how God loves us because he loves us on acceptance. He calls us children. and We in faith have been placed at the centre of his family. So stop loving yourself. If you feel that might have touched a, struck a chord in your heart tonight, stop loving yourself on the basis of performance, loving others on the basis of performance. Love on acceptance, that same acceptance that Christ Jesus showed you. performance-based acceptance is the law speaking. Paul continues in verse 8. He says that we know the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral, those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and it is for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. So, what Paul was saying is that the Old Testament law was not established for righteous people. It's designed to bring conviction of sin to the unrighteous, to bring revelation of sin, and to show us as people just how far short we all fall of God's. Holiness. You'll also note that Paul doesn't mix his words when clearly denouncing the news of the false and misleading teaching, putting this in the same sentence as all those listed unrighteous acts. The law is made, not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers. Paul says for rebels, ungodly, sinful unholy, murderers, liars and for whatever else he says that is contrary to the sound doctrine i.e. those people that are spreading false teachings in the church and leading them away from the very source of hope so Paul is contrasting the false doctrine and misuse of the law from those certain people with the genuine gospel and he does so to make a very strong point in the Old Testament, in times before Jesus, turning back to God, that repentance led to God's goodness. God's goodness being in his presence, the peace, the truth, the revelation. In the New Testament, so after Jesus, God's goodness through Jesus leads to repentance, to turn back to him. In the Old Testament, you had to follow the law to be in right standing with God and to receive his blessings and his goodness. But we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer no longer under the law. We are under grace. We are under grace, which is undeserved, unreserved forgiveness and redemption. Jesus became the sacrifice for sin as the Lord demands. Jesus fulfilled it by dying in our place. And here in verse 12, Paul draws redemptive and glorious comparison which demonstrates that jesus love is not performance based it is from pure acceptance check this out i thank christ jesus our lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service even though i was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man i was shown mercy because i acted in ignorance and unbelief the grace of our lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Even though Paul was an enemy of God and he definitely didn't deserve it, he was forgiven and received grace. Not just a small measure, not just enough grace, but poured out abundantly in overwhelming measure that's the same for us here today, that same grace, that same Jesus. It's still the same today. And yes, the grace of Jesus ensures salvation, but more than that, it also empowers us and gives us strength. Paul continues, Here is a trustworthy saying that is, deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So as we're viewing and reading through this letter of Apostle Paul, leader, teacher, encouraging His young protege, Timothy. Some of you in this, some of you here tonight, you might think that you are too young to lead. If you know Jesus and you love him, you are already leading. There's news for you. You are already leading. Just lead where God has placed you, lead by example in your school, in sport, in your circle of friends, and those who you meet. Paul writes to Timothy later in chapter 4 in this letter to say, not to let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. Just as Paul has commanded Timothy to take a stand on the false teachers, so too you. you lead by example and stand up for what is right. Perhaps you feel that you are not confident or bold enough To be a leader. Well, look at Timothy. Look at Timothy. Although Timothy was a leader of the church, he was shy and reserved and timid in nature. In a later letter, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and And self discipline, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Some of you don't believe that you have the ability to lead. You might not think you are called to lead. You might not think you're in the season right now to lead. When you walk with Christ in this Christian journey, this Christian journey of faith, when you acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior, you are called. You are called, do not centre your thoughts on what you can't do, or what you think you are not, or what you don't have. Centre your thoughts on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He is for you and not against you. You can do all things through Christ. Remind yourself of the promises found in God's word, for you are loved, you are a child of God, you are chosen, holy and beloved through faith in Jesus Christ. And what you do have in Jesus is a friend like no other, a helper like no other. Salvation, redemption, forgiveness and purpose Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. And the church said, "Amen." Amen. You who believe have the light of the world, the hope of the world living and shining within. So shine your light brightly for all to see. Just as Paul did in this letter to Timothy, we must remember and remind one another of what is true. We declare our anthem of joy, hope, faith, and love to one another again and again. Share with one another what God has been teaching you. Share how he has provided for you. Share how he has answered prayer. Share how good he is. Remind yourself and remind others. Don't wait to be encouraged. Don't wait to be reminded. Don't wait till Sunday just to be filled by God's word and truth. Don't wait And there is more goodness in this letter. In verse 18, Paul continues, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Now he says, Timothy, my son. Paul is Timothy's spiritual father. He is like a son to him. He has watched him grow into the leader that he is. In this verse, Paul is reminding Timothy of his training, his experiences, his calling, and the power of his saviour, Jesus. The command that Paul has given to Timothy is what we looked at earlier, to command certain people not to teach false doctrines. So Paul says, giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Paul makes reference here to the prophetic words spoken to Timothy in chapter 4 by recalling the event where he said, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Now, prophecy is one of the gifts of the Spirit that has been given to believers in order to build up the church. Not everyone received this gift. And not every single word spoken by every person is necessarily prophetic. So they must be tested and prayed over. It's much easier in hindsight, of course, looking back to see if something is prophetic, but many things in life are easier looking back in retrospect, in hindsight. So a prophetic word or words is when God goes into your future, he sees where he wants to take you. And he comes to you with the word necessary to get you there. And he brings you those words to bring you from where you are to where he's preparing you to be. On Easter Sunday, 24th of April 2011, I was baptised here. should be a few interesting pictures coming up. It was an exciting night and a milestone moment in declaring and confirming my faith in Jesus to my family and friends. I remember my baptism, but what I remember more strongly and more vividly were three words of prophecy that were declared and spoken over me by people in the church on that day. The three things were, and those who know me will know the significance of these. So the three things that were spoken, one, person said to me that you'll be a leader of the youth a leader of the youth of this church second person said that in Jesus you'll be a powerful and anointed speaker through the power of his Holy Spirit and the third one was that you'll be a prophet now all of these have come to pass as I've journeyed and grown but just because those words were spoken they didn't happen immediately In fact, the one about prophecy I only realised had just come to pass just under 12 months ago. Prophetic words may be spoken over you at church by someone, maybe in a vision that has been shared to you or received, or maybe when you read his word, God's spirit, he highlights something to you. God still speaks. God is a God who speaks, and he still speaks. And we have a responsibility to steward what he says. God will always fulfill His promises, but He's not obligated to fulfill your potential. Because that's because He wants you to step forward in faith to receive it. We've been given freedom through Jesus, so we also have the freedom to choose. Prophecies are an invitation awaiting a response. Prophecies are an invitation awaiting a response. Paul is urging Timothy to respond in this letter to his calling to fight the good fight. He continues, so that by recalling them, these prophecies, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. You need to hold on to faith and good conscience. Hold on to your faith and trust in Jesus and fight for what is right. The very fact you need to hold on indicates that trials and troubles and storms that happen in life can cause you to lose hold of these things. Paul uses that imagery of shipwreck. It's not just going off course, it's destruction. You can be sure that your faith and conscience are strong steadfast and secure when they are centered on Jesus. Late last year, I had the privilege of attending Awakening Australia, a three-day outreach evangelism event and conference in Melbourne. During one of the afternoon breaks, I went to catch up with Madeline, who was over there with me at the time, and was having a wonderful expedition in the sprawling shops of Melbourne, South Bank Precinct. So I went down there to go and, go and see her, and I missed the tram to get down there. So I thought, that's all right, I'll walk, no problems. It's a bit of a walk down, but it's Melbourne. It's a very walkable city. So I walked a couple of Ks down to South Bank, rang up, where are you? I'm here, okay, cool, I'm walking down that way, I'll see you soon. As I was walking, I was praying to God, asking him for an opportunity to speak to someone who didn't know God. I'm a bit of an introvert, I'm not someone who immediately will just go up to someone. But I know that God is for me, He's not against me. And His Spirit will give me courage and His Spirit will lead me. So I was praying about that. So I went halfway down South Bank and then I got a call and Man was saying, Oh, I'm up at the other end of South Bank, you know, where the exhibition centre is, which is where I just come from. <laughs> So then I walked all the way back again. Now, it's not a short walk. It was quite a long way, and it was pretty warm. So by the time I got up to where Madeline and, and the family were, and I was pretty exhausted. I was absolutely stuffed, and I sat down on the chair at the tram stop, and I was like, oh. And in that mind, just as I sat down, I recalled that prayer that I prayed to God, and I was like, God, it's in your strength you're going to answer that prayer right now. And then another guy with his partner came and the guy sat down right next to me at the, at the tram stop and he said, far out. I said, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> conversation ensured and he said, where are you from? I'm from Tasmania. Tasmania is an awesome conversation starter. You're blessed to live in Tasmania. We hopped on the tram together and continued to talk and he's like I'm here for a conference he's like oh that awakening thing here we go so we continued to talk I shared a bit about my faith and his tram stop came up pretty quickly but in that time he shared with me that he was about to start a new job and he was really nervous he was really nervous about this new job and he was saying I really don't know but before he hopped off the tram he said look I just want to pray and encourage you. I just said that Jesus loves you. That he's for you, not against you. That he'll give you strength going into this new job. That he'll be with you. Did this man come to Christ in that short moment I was with him on the tram? No. But I believe that seed was planted. I believe that that conversation wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have prayed beforehand. And the smile and his just joy at receiving that prayer for him, he was just, you could see that joy bubbling up on the inside. And so from what happened with two grumpy guys, overwhelmed by the heat, in the space of a few minutes, hopped off at tram stop, encouraged and emboldened. The thing that struck me the most looking back was not just the conversation with that guy, it was how it came about. So I put Jesus at the centre just for that moment. Jesus used that moment to enable me to share his love and hope with someone who he wanted to reach. So never underestimate... Never underestimate how God can do something big through one small act of obedience. I'd like to invite the band to come up now. Now would be a good time. So Jesus wants to be at the centre of your life. Jesus wants to be at the centre of your life. He's not commanding it. He wants to be at the centre of your life. So tonight, may I ask you, what has your attention been centred on? Perhaps your attention has been on something or someone that has hurt you. Is there any bitterness, unforgiveness, despair? May I encourage you tonight that holding on to these things, are just like holding hot coals and refusing to let go, you can place them down here. And you can ask Jesus to take it all. Maybe you and Jesus are a bit distant tonight. You haven't heard from him for a while. You're trying to read his word. It's just, it's just not happening for you. I encourage you to be persistent. Continue with that. And maybe in this next moment... If you haven't heard from from God for a while, pray to him. But pray to him about the things that he is passionate about. Maybe you are certain that you and Jesus, you're journeying really well right now. All is good, comfortable, but maybe you're longing for more. Do you want God to satisfy, just satisfy that hunger? Or do you desire God to empower you to move and to do what he wants you to do. God can break down walls that we can't shift. But what about those other walls? Walls that we might have built to try and contain him and control our faith. Jesus needs all of you, not just the bits that you're comfortable in sharing everything. He needs all of you so that he can work through all of you. Investing yourself in Jesus is the best decision you can make, not only for now, but for eternity to come. He is determined upon your holiness to build you up and to change you from the inside out, step by step. Perhaps you're curious, interested, or want to find out more about Jesus and God or anything else about the Christian faith or about things that have been spoken about tonight the Alpha course is a fantastic way to do just that it's free, free to attend with free food and everyone is welcome did I mention this free food do you want to grow more and connect with more people, an excellent next step is to sign up to a connect group Perhaps seeing and hearing the baptism story tonight has touched something on the inside here tonight you've been journeying for a while and that's is baptism your next step perhaps you're ready to journey with Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Saviour God loves you so much he loves all of us so much he gave his one and only son as a sacrifice for us So that not only we could spend eternity with him, but experience his presence right here and now. Jesus didn't come to condemn us, but to redeem us. And if this is you, I would encourage you to be bold and to pray in this next moment to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And I would encourage you as well to speak to someone before you leave one of the elders, one of the leaders here, so that we can encourage you, celebrate with you in this exciting step. So I want to encourage you all that during this next song that there is room down the front if you want to respond in that way. You're not responding to the band or to me, you're responding and coming to Jesus. So if that is you, I want to encourage you to be, to be brave and to be bold. It's a safe place. And if you want prayer, I'm more than happy. It would be the honour to pray for you. So whatever your next step is, I pray that Jesus would be at the centre. It's important to have Pauls to speak into our lives, to encourage us. It is important to have Timothys in our lives who we can encourage and to teach and to build up. But what is most important is the one the source of our encouragement, the source of our hope, wise teaching, salvation, forgiveness in Jesus. So Jesus, I pray tonight that the words that have been spoken through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that they would find rich soil. Jesus, I pray that we would remind ourselves and one another to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. May you be the center. God, we can trust you and know that when we step out in faith, that when we trust you, we know that you are trustworthy. So God, whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is prompting us to do, God, give us courage, give us boldness, give us strength to step out adventurous faith and pray these things in your precious name amen